episode 121, June 13th, 2020. Bob Nastanovich, Mike Hogan. Bob, how you doing? Yeah, really good, thank you. Good. Yeah. Good to yeah, talk to you. you. We took a little bit of a break. Uh, you know, neither of us were kind of feeling it. There's just a lot of shit going on, but, you know. Well, you know, this, this podcast is like, um, ideally, um, kind of, uh, fun and in a sense, uh, frivolous in a way. Right. And, um, you know, goofy and, um, just like meant to be like fun, right? borderline silly at times. And, you know. And um, those emotions, like, you know, are pretty hard to grasp for uh, more than just a handful of minutes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, we're kind of yeah. lucky to get those, like, uh, moments where we do find things that take our mind off of, of things and, and uh, you know, help us uh, laugh and smile because, obviously, that has been a challenge. Yes, um, exactly. For, for everyone, I think, in the world um, who's uh, cognizant or cares about what's been going on. Cares um, about people's <clears throat> lives. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I just kind of wasn't really in the mood to talk music and, you know, I was in a different headspace. But I'm ready now. Let's uh, let's play some music. Let's, let's I'll start and I'll start, um, I'll take us back to Africa this is kind of a throwback from a debut record. In fact, I think this is the only record this guy released. Charlie Kingson is his name. It was released in 1978 on a, a label in the Netherlands. The album was called Born in Africa, and it's been recently reissued by a really good um, a, uh, label called Africa 7 in the UK. They, they've put out a lot of really good um, funk, soul, disco, African music similar to this, so... If you like it, check that label out. Um, hey, you know what? Um, this is the um, Charlie Kingston is the cousin of your man uh, Manu Dibango. Well, there you go. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you know, talent runs in the family. This is a fun one. Well, um, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, I, I'm a, I'm unfamiliar with Charlie Kingston. I'm gonna see like um, compare it to Manu Dibango because I really enjoyed that. Okay, well, check it out. Uh, this one's Is called, that cool? Can I do that? You can do that. This one's called Nanga okay. <laughs> Nanga Boko. Charlie okay. Kingston.
Namako, di Mayombo, di Wasabito, di Malande. different from Manu Dibango. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, quite a bit different. Yeah. Well, their family gatherings must have been a whirlwind <laughs> oh, of fun and activity. God, can you imagine? Yeah, Cameroonian superstar Charlie Kingston. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a that was that's just that's a fun one. I figure we started off put you in the right mood. Yeah, per- perk things up a little bit. Now I'll bring us right back down a bit, I guess. Okay. You know, it was a very melancholy song by a uh an artist that um, you'll have a certain appreciation of um, because of her career. Her career um, mostly was in the early 70s. She's born in Germany, and um, she started making music just singing and playing acoustic guitar. She played piano at a, at a young age, and um, despite appearing in in a, a Vim Vendors film called uh, Alice in the Cities, um, she was never really, um, never put out a record. And um, kind of an interesting story. Many, many years later, 
in the early 2000s, her son Robbie, Robbie Byer, who I guess is like an indie rock fan and a rock and roll fan, um, he started, he made, he compiled a CD of his mother's music and started distributing it to family members. And amongst amongst the bands that he, he likes is uh, Dinosaur Jr. So I guess after seeing Dinosaur Jr. play, he gave a copy of the CD to Jay Maskus, who in turn then went and gave it to his friend Laura Carter, who was in the band Elf Power, not to be confused with the Jacko-Nuts barbecue killers Laura Carter, my dear friend the late Laura Carter. This is the the other Laura Carter of Athens. This is a woman that was in Elf Power, a prominent force in the Elephant Six Collective. And... Um, sure. And, and it's uh, Sabeel Byers, her name, and uh, her music was finally celebrated, what, over 30 years later by uh, Laura's label, Orange Twin, who compiled the uh, songs and, and put them out. And it's an album called Color Green, and it's a, a very um, pretty song called uh, Tonight. Tonight, when I came home from work Hurt tonight when I came home from work. There he, unforeseen, sat in my kitchen, buttering himself for bread, and the cat was on his knee and smiled at me. Tonight when I came home. Tonight, when I came home from work, there he, unforeseen, passed the guitar and said, I battered my car right now, won't you please give me your tune? We had change of the moon, we had change of the moon, tonight, when I came home from work Tonight When I came home from work Tonight When I came home from work There he Unforeseen Changed in an easy chair And said what's that sorrow you bear And I could tell him he understood took my arm He listened to my tears till dawn I dedicate this song to you Tonight We had change of the moon We had change of the moon Tonight When I came home from work Tonight When I came home Beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, largely it, again, she joins the dozens of artists that we played on the podcast that were completely unheralded and unknown during their time of recording. Right. Uh, regardless of genre, um, obviously she's kind of in the Nico vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
not and not too then, dissimilar from like a Tia Blake that I played. Exactly, yeah, recently. exactly. Same same kind of of artist, and like um, even though she was you know pretty well connected in as an actress and a singer, she just decided that it wasn't for her for whatever set of reasons, and um, moved to uh, the United States and just, and just concentrated on on raising a, a fa- having a family, and and um, interestingly, after color green came out in 2006 um people really enjoyed that um for fairly obvious reasons um because it's really good (laughs) and uh and uh she hooked back up she made two more songs um uh one of them for another vim vendors movie called palermo shooting that was put out in 2008 those songs are great too so she even like 35 years on the sidelines like She's she's still got it, but it's just like um, one of those artists that has put out kind of a minimal amount of material, right. and um, you know maybe it's just like maybe she just didn't want to be prolific. Maybe she just like wanted to make a certain set of great songs, and and maybe her her maybe who knows? Like you know, right. I obviously don't know Sabeel Buyer, but like um, it's interesting how some artists like end up making like 10 20 great songs and then like maybe the pressure of being a musician or an actress or something just like doesn't appeal to them and even though the talent's there they're just like okay well i've i've done that and i'm i'm satisfied with my work so now i'm i'm going to go back to being just like a normal person i don't really care about being successful or famous so um you know you know who uh some along those lines, someone even like certainly more famous and successful uh, and well known, similar to that is Bill Withers, who passed away recently. Um, you know, I don't know if you know his story, but he was he was in the uh, I think the Air Force for a while, um, and then he became obviously a, a big music star for about ten years of his life. He was one of the yeah. biggest stars in the world. And then he was just like, I'm done with this. I don't want to deal with the music industry anymore. I don't want to deal with record executives telling me how to make music. And he basically just dropped out. So out of his, what, 80-year life, he had 10 that he made music. And you know the rest, I mean, he probably did others, you know, made music and didn't really release it. But, um, but yeah, he just kind of parachuted in did his thing and then said, no, I'm just going to go on with my life. I think we see that a lot in the, um, acting industry. Yeah. Um, but then like, I think there's like perhaps, you know, different kind of pressure. And in a lot of cases there's more money involved. So like actors and actresses who like are famous for like two or three roles and that's just all they do. Then they just like kind of disappear and, you know, disappear from the, from the, Klieg lights and and just kind of like go about their lives like just satisfied that they um you know made an impact in their own way it's just kind of interesting like you know some artists just like never stop and they end up making like um even if they're not really that celebrated um well i mean east east river pipe for example that guy's incredibly prolific and um he just keeps going doesn't he you know like yeah, which is fantastic, and his standards are high, and the music's great. But just like the amount of material is immense, you know. Yeah. 
And um, it's interesting, like, you know, the type of artists that will, like, you know, just kind of do it for a while and say, all right, I'm going to do something else, you know. Yeah, yeah, I so. know. Well, thank you. I, I had heard Seville Byer um, a few years ago, and um, I've kind of forgotten about her. So thanks for the reminder. I'm going to dive back in. My pleasure, good, Mike. Good stuff. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I think, boy, I guess I'll change gears again completely from something very sleepy and mellow and beautiful to something very loud and harsh and extreme. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna go all of it. Wait, we do. We're getting. I like this mode. See, I, see, you really yeah. don't. I, I think it's as much as me. I like like um, the bounce around yeah. thing yeah. a lot. Like yeah. I like you know the bounce around the genres. Like well, in the hopes that like anybody who's listening to the podcast like might really dig one or two songs. Right. You know? Right. right. <laughs> well, 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 this is like. Um, from something where it's like very mellow and your speakers are, um, you know, not even close to red to something that like, will if you're listening on headphones, you might have to turn it down because this is, this is recorded in the red and I'm not necessarily turning it down to meet the levels of everything else. So loud. Well, I'm just excited. I'm, I'm just excited to know that you're um, finally going to play a song that I might be able to hear. <laughs> Get through the tinnitus, yeah. Because so, there's, there's no turn down in my game plan. There, all right, I love it. Um, so I'm talking. This is a band from. Sadly, the, I sadly I can take it. The damage has been done. I know, I know. I hear you. Um, this is a band from Japan uh, called High Rise. Uh, they started the famous PSF label. Uh, well, famous um, in certain circles, um, completely unknown in many other circles. In most to most people um and psf records stands for psychedelic speed freaks which was the name of high rise's debut album and was actually the name of the band before they changed it to high rise and i'm going to play something they, they started in the early 80s i'm going to play something that was released in 94 um from their album called live and they they don't really list much in the way of details so i don't know when it was recorded i don't know where it was recorded I just know it's loud. It's like, imagine, you know, people talk about <laughs> My Bloody Valentine being la a, a loud live show. It's a different kind of loud. Oh, my God. I can't imagine what these guys were like live. Um, Is there called like psychedelic? See, like most of the, the yeah. Japanese bands that I played with in Japan, um, and usually like, it's kind of an interesting thing. Usually when you play in Japan, um, you you play by yourself and they kind of want you to play like a much longer set than they're used to playing. So you have to play, you know, so you're the only band because you're, because mm -hmm. you're, you know, every single time you've shown up for a gig in your life, you're like, well, you know, who's, who's a support band or like, you know, in advance who's a support band is you're really looking forward to seeing them. And you'd be like, is there like a support band? Like, <laughs> they, you know, like we have to move our gear around and like, and like, so generally when we, we did have the opportunity to play with Japanese bands, um, with pavement, the Japanese bands would be fantastic musicians, but it would just be this insane, like breadwinner esque, like math metal. I mean, it would just be like, yeah, yeah. And it was like incredible. And they were having so much fun. It was just like great to watch the energy and like just the incredible like acumen on their you know drum, bass, and guitar. Like you know, three piece like math metal groups. Like bread. I was like, this is like a Japanese breadwinner. And then, then like <laughs> we played with another one four days later. It's like. 
this is like another Japanese breadwinner. And like, well, this might none be none of them had ever heard of breadwinner, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, maybe they were inspired by high rise because I think these guys were, were pretty influential into a lot of that Japanese music. I, mean, I did, scene. I did turn on a lot of Japanese people to breadwinner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is, I imagine this is like if, uh, Jimi Hendrix were playing guitar for MC5, but even louder. <laughs> so, uh-huh. all right. Well, you're, you, Lord knows you're building this up to be a real loud thing. Enjoy it. This is High Rise Outside Gentiles from 1994's live LP. Here you go. <laughs> Thank you. 
ferocious. <laughs> yeah, they're relentless. Yeah, relentless. Yeah. Can you now? Can they're you imagine kind of, that live? Well, I mean, like they're actually I can because um, you know the um, Drag City band that started around the same time, like a few years after um, after High Rise Ghosts that were on Drag City. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I saw them play in Louisville one time, and like. Um, I think Drag City mostly reissued stuff they made in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Two or three things, I think. Uh, I know one was like, not early Drag City, but like earlier Drag City. And like, they played in Louisville. <clears throat> and like, I didn't really think that their albums were insanely loud, but they were so loud live. Yeah. <clears throat> and like, just like punishing. They played at Uncle Pleasant's. And they were so loud. Uncle Pleasant's a great old club. And they were so loud. And, um, and then, like like I told you, like the bands that the Japanese bands that I did play with, it um, were also very loud. And I, I, often, I almost think they had to be big city, um, like like Ghost were like they had to be like either Tokyo or Osaka. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason I say that is because you know people, there's so many people in those cities, and they tend to live like in the city, in in very very tiny tiny spaces so it would make sense as a rock band to just like where you always have to be quiet out of like respect for your neighbors that when you finally get a chance to explode like whether it be in a highly sound buffered recording studio or then on a live stage you're just gonna like release the hounds yeah, you know? yeah for sure i well, mean maybe i'm i might be completely wrong but like um and then even like um, the time I spent in Japan, the few times where I've gone to like clubs um, after playing shows, um, I've like gone up in elevators into like bars that were like <clears throat> that were like maybe twenty five people could fit in. I've DJed in a couple. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, in two thousand ten, I DJed in one. It was fantastic, and like um, there was like twenty people in there every time. But it was like a complete micro pub, like a complete. And they had like the loudest sound system. I just think like um, when they rock, they like their generally like their rock very loud. At least the like the you know punk noise um, underground sort of element. So like, I was just always amazed by like not only how loud Ghost was, who you know had to have been kind of same genre as High Rise. They had to have known each other. Same label, think. yeah. They they they. Before Drag City, um, Ghosts records were released by PSF. So, oh, okay, yeah. So they had to have been like, yeah, same same thing. And like, Ghosts, like, um, and I talked to them after they played in Louisville, and like, they're just they were like so happy about their loudness. Like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was like, you know, it's almost like the goal, like a big part of the goal, like was like to be loud, and, like, you know, and just kind of like relentless like that, like, and you could see the joy, like, of just like you know, <laughs> ripping, like, ripping it loud, so loud, loud, loud yeah. for its own sake. The um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, kind of the other band in that scene in that genre was Kaiji Hino's band Fushi Shusha. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know that band? Yeah, Fushi. I know, I know, I know his name for sure. Fushi Shusha is how you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and fight. they had to have been like kind of similar vibes, right? Oh yeah, like, yeah. They were also on PSF. They they. They came out more like the late 80s, but yeah, um, complete, similar to High Rise, loud, you know, big, heavy rock band, with a lot of psychedelia, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah, more power to them. Literally, more power yeah, to them. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Anyways, I'll, I'll pivot. I'll pivot. Pivot. And I was in the um, I was in the grocery store um, the other day. Um, you know, I lead a pretty mundane life um, <laughs> in general, especially during uh, the coronavirus. Uh, <clears throat> you know, lockdown, all that. So, about the only time I leave the house is to go to the store. I've mentioned several times on the podcast throughout our 120 previous episodes, and that's the price shop, the price shopper, which is adjacent to my house. And, um, you know, usually the music, just like in most grocery stores, is pretty horrible. And I was over there, like, in, um, near the bakery section, like, picking up a loaf of bread or something. And uh, I heard a song I hadn't heard since I was, like, 15. And I remembered how freaky. I was like, well, what is this song? And then I kind of quickly placed it. It was that song, um, Words by Missing Persons. What oh, are yeah. words for? You know, what are words? And remember the freaky video of, like, the... Sure. Lead singer had like sort of a like a record piece of recording equipment like on our that was for sort of like covering her midriff. Yep. Dale Dale Bozio, and, I believe is her name. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah, husband husband Terry Bozio, drummer. Yeah, the Bozios. The and Bozios and husband. he was uh, he was actually in Frank Zappa's group. Right, and there was like they were, but they were one of like the early. Like I remember being in ninth grade um, in like nineteen. 80 or 81 1981 and i was on the cross-country team and mtv had just like we didn't have it where i live but like this one guy on the cross-country team matthew Stylberg, he had it like i remember like after cross-country practice like going over there for like an hour and like him him like being like mtv this is mtv it's so amazing these music because we know i didn't know what a music video was you know like <laughs> i was 14 year old like mediocre cross-country runner and um and so, like, I, I sat there and watched it sort of amazed, but, like, what I was amazed by was, like, sort of the the freakier things on there, mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it be, like, Gary Newman cars or just the aesthetics of that video, like, things that were, like, the videos that were actually weird as opposed to, like, Van Halen and um, and Journey and, right. and stuff like that, like, right. things that you sort of... Brian Adams. Yeah, things that, like, yeah, made sense, yeah, cuts like a knife, you know, Um but, um, you know, one band that um, really kind of turned out to be a two-hit wonder was a band from San Francisco. And uh, I was always sort of um, intrigued by them because I always really liked it when their their video, which was like kind of on medium airplay, came on. Mm -hmm. And it was a song I'm sure that you're familiar with. And we'll talk about it afterwards. It's a song by a band from San Francisco uh, with a very interesting lead singer who actually went on to have a pretty good career named Deborah Ayal. And... Um, but it's uh, Never Say Never by Romeo Void.
Yeah, I, re- I definitely remember the band. I definitely remember the song. I remember the video even. Well, you know, the thing about the song is, is that unfortunately, although I'm sure they're excellent musicians, the band was like sort of tied into that like kind of really horrible early 80s, like kind of slick, like power pop, like kind of ugly sounding power pop, that kind of like wretched kind of sounding like the kind of people with all due respect that would like want to be like in um um on posters for like ibanez guitars in music stores (laughs) and like you know and like zildjian cymbals and stuff and like you know no disrespect to the um gentleman that she played with but like she obviously was the force behind the band and her story is unique and then of course in, in that song then in their case unfortunately propelled them to signing it an unsuccessful contract with columbia Records. so they went from being on 415 like a label that made sense and then the whole mtv thing and then the whole major label thing and then like they just immediately like threw in the towel sure and she went she went on to make um another record on columbia that also like got a subdued reception and um but she is a um, very interesting person. At the age of fourteen, she's she's a she's from the Cowlitz Indian tribe, which is a very small uh, in, a Native American tribe in Washington State. Right. So she's born in Soap Lake, Washington. I think there's like less than five thousand Cowlitz. It's a very small Indian tribe, and um, she subsequently grew up mostly in Fresno after being born in. Um, somewhere in rural washington and and then she got she became an artist and she's an art instructor and then her two biggest influences were and you can hear it clearly in that song one of one of their biggest hits um ian curtis Mm. and debbie harry Mm. yeah and uh, and um you know she kind of like does both like in her own like really unique way and obviously it was like a uniquely talented punk singer that just kind of ended up in the wrong place at the wrong time, despite, you know, brief commercial success. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's like at the time. And in fact, one very interesting thing about her at the age of 14, she was involved in the occupation of Alcatraz. You know, you know what that is? The occupation of Alcatraz. Yeah. No. It was like when so when she was fourteen, which would have been like in the late sixties, for nineteen months, eighty nine uh, American Indians and their protesters occupied Alcatraz Island. Wow! For nineteen months, and like you know, at fourteen, she was probably been one of the youngest people, you know, part of that. So like, um, and obviously that's some serious punk rock cred, um, <laughs> and uh, just a really unique uh, individual who ended up in like kind of an early and sort of like delightfully odd MTV successful band who then like turned back to like art instruction and like I think lives like in Sacto and like you know um, and then recently like in the last five years she she started you know making music again but um, it just would have been interesting if she'd ended up like in a punk rock band that stayed punk rock instead of like Right. I think that's it's almost right. like it's not an example of like how MTV like you know one of the earliest bands like MTV sort of like kind of like ruined because 
MTV, like, people always talk about, you know, Nirvana, like, um, you know, changing alternative rock or indie rock. That's, like, you know, one of the most pronounced um, discussions about rock music in our lives. Like, um, sure. But, uh, but MTV, like, early MTV, like, there were some, like, really talented people then they got sucked into this like complete revolution in the music industry when like MTV kicked into high gear and it, it sort of like changed their ways and some bands like didn't go along with it and some bands actually ruined themselves by like changing and like Romeo mm-hmm. Void were just like that's it we're out right sort of <laughs> like what I was saying earlier about Bill Withers you know I mean he, he yeah. around that same time early 80s he just said that's it I'm out you know because he had, he had major label executives who'd never made a record before telling him what to do and how to make a hit record you know and uh, uh, he just said that's it I'm out but I, I remember that video and I remember being I don't know probably 10 or so seeing that and not knowing what to make of it because it was very in your face. I mean, yeah, listen, she's in your face, right? Yeah, like, right, and she's the, the man's just like rocking out, and being cool, and like she's in your face, and like she's a yeah. big woman, and she's yeah. like you know she's unlike any of the other MTV stars. She didn't yeah, yeah, look I mean, like, like she, you know. I mean, the, the, she was herself. She, she was, was her. Herself. She was absolutely herself. And I think I was like ten or eleven at the time, and I didn't know what to make of that. You know, especially I, thought, I just thought it was awesome. And then like right? I was just like, and there wasn't any well to go to. Like there yeah. wasn't that much stuff previous. And then they just sort of like stopped. And like so, all we're sort of left with is like that song. Then they had a hit song, "A Girl in Trouble," is a temporary thing that was that I, you know I think they actually. I think they actually went so far as that was a huge hit. Yeah. And that was a, that was a bigger hit than never say never. And like, even never say never, like I think it's almost like five and a half minutes long. Like, um, like it would have been so much better at three and a half, you know, like it went through like two or three more cycles. It didn't have to go through, you know what I'm saying? Like, for sure. Um, that's of course one of my, (laughs) that's one (laughs) like from show three. That's, but, but that's, I mean, that, that's also what kind of makes well, it... hurts it, the impact of the song, because it's just like a pretty straightforward, like, punk song, and, like, that's true. the magic's there, and, like, they didn't need to go through the chorus so many times. But it, like, it also makes it an odd hit, you know, a nearly six-minute-long hit. Um, there were just so many things that were just didn't seem like it would be a hit when you think about it, you know, the, this this big woman singing very in-your-face lyrics, talking about, you know, I might like you better if, I, if we slept together. Like, as a 10 or 11-year-old, I had, no, like, no context. Yeah, I was 15, and I was just like, you know, I was I was 15, and... and, and um, I had nothing to compare it to at all. But Well, me neither, really, of course, but, like, at the same time, I was like, you know... Yeah. I know. Well, I like that. I like that it was so different from anything I'd ever heard before. That and the art you're, you're of awesome, Deborah Ayal. Like you're awesome. Yeah, you know. we salute you, Deborah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I'm gonna go to the UK. He's a legend, absolute legend. Yeah, um, and you know I have that record. It's uh, I'm gonna have to dig it out. You you've inspired me to dig it out. I haven't listened to it in years for sure. Yeah, I wonder if that like I don't have it. Like like it's the only no like. You know, four or five of their songs, and that one especially. And I'm sure, like, it's on. I'm sure the album's on Spotify and that kind yeah. of thing. But like, I wonder if, like, if there's other great songs on the record that are like, you know, 
as as cool as that or if like i don't know i'll find yeah, we'll out we'll find I'll, out we'll find I'll, out I'll, I'll i'll play it because i think i bought it years ago for like a buck at one of those you know dollar record sales it was like well i'm, I'm definitely not embarrassed if i i'm sorry to dig um excuse my language to, to dig romeo boy yeah i agree um yeah all right i'm gonna play something a little more obscure i don't think that this band have had any mtv hits in fact they only had two <laughs> seven inches um and they both were released in 1979 they're a uk kind of art rock art punk post-punk i don't know what you'd call them a UK band called Scissor Fits. They defy categorization. They de- defy categorization, and one of yeah. their one of their EPs. So the Hounds of Hounslow. Yeah. So soon after dark <laughs> was one of the EPs they released. It came out on Torch Records. Torch also released um, the sound, the first seven inch from the sound, physical world. Oh, yeah. So going back to the Adrian Borland discussion. Uh, a number of episodes ago. Um, so I don't know if they knew the sound, if they were in the same scene, they just happened to be on the same label, but um, there's kind of your reference. And uh, I'm going to play a song from their EP called Tot, Tense, Angular, and Other British Rail Sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, it's a great album title, and they've got a great band name. They've Scissor got a Fits. great band name. Well, some of the, I won't play the, 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 the one I'm going to play is called I Don't Want to Work for British Airways. But some of the other songs, the other songs on the EP were uh, called A Small One, I Wish I Hadn't Shaved Off My Pubic Hair, D.H. Uh, Lawrence Wasn't a Mexican, and Waiting for Your Love in the Shower. So that kind of... Well, I mean, I'm sorry, what's the British Airways one? Uh, I Don't Want to Work for British Airways. That's the yeah, song. Yeah, what, what, a, what a prophetic um, song title in 2020. Exactly. So here we go. This is it. Scissor fits. The plane for Dublin has just departed. Please queue with your American Express cards at gate number 15. Thank you.
I figured that's one you might like, Bob. Yeah, I dug that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there, I there see are, that right at my street. Right, there are songs like I feel like a like me and John MacArthur would like you know sing along. We would know all the words. That's yeah. the kind of song that John MacArthur, my my dear friend in Margate, we we if they made us do karaoke, we would be like you know, do you have that one by Scissor Fits? <laughs> do you have any Scissor Fits? <laughs> yeah, because we can sing like not as well as that, but like nearly as well. They sort of remind me a little of. I the, bet you John knows that. Yeah, yeah probably, probably like the TV personalities, yeah. uh, bands along those lines. But just half you know, man, half biscuit. Half we man, half, half man, biscuit. Have we played half man. Half we biscuit. have great band. Yeah. In fact, oh, well, we could play them all night. We could. Oh, they even yeah. put out an album a year or two ago. That's just oh, as good. that's the, one of those bands you talk about being prolific. Yep. Man, they are relentless. Just as good, good as their early stuff. You wouldn't want to be. What do you call it? A, a completionist or something when you have all everything and <laughs> yeah. any artist's ever done yeah yeah or, good or luck. bands good, like good luck with a half man half biscuit <laughs> well yeah i mean with the scissor fits you only have two two seven inches that you have to track down and and um you know one of them's going for about 50 bucks on discogs the other one you can get actually i guess they put out uh yeah the other one you can get for uh, a little bit cheaper um yeah. Well, it's still too expensive, you know, like... But, well, yeah, uh, 50 bucks. So that's the one that, that goes for 50 bucks. The other one... Although, you know, for a C note, as they say, you can have the entire collection. Right, exactly. The, yeah. the, the other one goes for more like, you know, five pounds. I'll tell you a very, like, um, crude piece of um, British language um, that I learned many years ago in Sheffield. I had a friend in Sheffield that um, became a stewardess. Uh, my friend Noel Kilbride, who tour managed pavement, one of his dear friends, and um, she became a stewardess, and she had to to quit after like eight months because of the sexual harassment mm-hmm. on flights. And um, they uh, a very crude piece of of British slang is they call stewardesses trolley lollies. Okay, isn't that crass? A trolley lolly, like for lollipop. Yeah, like somebody pushes a trolley who's like, you know. Oh, yeah. And sick yeah. in it. Yeah, a little sick. Yeah, that one fell flat on its face. But, like, I, I always found that, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, because, you know, Waitress in the Sky, the replacement right. song, stuff like that. Like, you know, that's right. mm, that's demeaning enough. Right. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, you know, she didn't want to work for British Airways <laughs> no more either. <laughs> Perhaps, you know. You know and, they, and, and, I mean, like... Uh, I think that was mostly a song about maybe because like they come from near Heathrow, Hounslow, not yeah. far from Heathrow. I wonder if like one of them had a job as a steward for British Airways for a few months, and, like that's the inspiration for the song. Or working the counter or something, who knows? Yeah, you'd rather work the counter than than push the trolley. Probably, probably. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, um, I got to polish off the show. You got you got one. This is the one I don't know. Yeah, I'll take it to Canada. This is actually a very famous, um, a very famous uh, and, and very celebrated um, blues singer uh, from. Uh, she was actually born in Brooklyn, and then her family moved to Switzerland. And then she ended up in Toronto. Um, I'm quite sure. And uh, her name is Shakura Saida, and she's like a very celebrated modern um, blues singer. Um, and this is off of her uh, 
2012 album called Time, and it's called uh, Geechee Woman.
brought the powerful women tonight bob yeah shakura kicking it yeah yeah shakura man for sure and she's also you know just like been i think quite often been a background singer for patty labelle which makes sense Mm. you know fantastic imagine having like uh that behind your act you know (laughs) right right she was in a (laughs) she got started with like a huge like world music band called uh khalifa and uh called what she embarked Khalifa, K A L E E F to the A to the H, and then okay. she embarked on her solo career. Cool. And she's also a, a film star and a TV star in her adopted country of uh, Canada. Wow! And, I uh, would not just, expect just, Canada as the uh, <laughs> home of, of of that artist. Well, that's the thing. It's like you know, powerful blues woman from from uh, uh, who's a Canadian. It's fantastic. Yeah. Where she is from Brooklyn, you know? right? But now but, uh, residing in Canada for many years, you, many years. You don't think of Canada as being a hotbed for blues, but it sh- it should be, and <laughs> it is. Thank you, Shakura. I guess so. I like that. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's cool. I'll 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 yeah. check more of her stuff out for sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right well, pleasure, absolute pleasure talking to you. Episode one twenty one. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. As always, yeah. l- love you, mate. And um, Yeah, I love you too. We'll do it again. It's a bit windy here. I hope that didn't affect your uh, engineering. Nope, sounded great. Thank you, everyone, for listening. S- stay healthy, stay safe, stay fighting, stay well. Just be yourselves. Yeah, yeah. Look after yourselves. All right, yeah. have a great yeah. night, man. I'll talk to you soon. You too, thanks.